Whether you have a skin interest, a skin query, a skin trauma, or skin disease, I warmly welcome you to Heal Thy Skin, a podcast brought to you by Derm Health Co. I'm Marnie, dermal clinician, dermoscopist, and your podcast host. Skin is deeper than beauty, and our mission is to build the largest platform of specialized practitioners focused on skin health and skin empowerment. Join me each week where we go deep into the skin and beyond to hear stories and education from leading practitioners on a journey of skin health. How many of you have had laser? Laser or IPL hair removal, laser pigmentation removal, laser for reducing redness, rejuvenation... There are so many aesthetic treatments that use lasers to smooth out, refine, or reduce the appearance of imperfections on the skin. When you had your initial consultation, was it mandatory for you to also have a skin check or a mole map? Lasers work by targeting different chromophores in the skin, such as uh, pigment in the hair or a freckle or blood like in dilated capillaries. And what also can contain these chromophores? Benign and malignant lesions. Therefore, these treatments may also target and destroy the clues to malignancy in a mole or a lump or a bump on the skin. Welcome to episode number seven of the Heal Thy Skin podcast. I'm Marnie, your host, and today I'm speaking with Fiona Moss, dermal clinician, demoscopist, and university supervisor. Fiona shares how her journey into demoscopy altered the way she viewed laser treatments and the importance of having your skin checked by a skin cancer specialist prior to undergoing aesthetic treatments. I started by asking Fiona how she found herself working in demoscopy. So I was actually in my final year of university and we had to do some clinical placements. So um, that sort of involved visiting plastic surgeons, dermatologists, And I sort of found myself drawn toward the idea of skin cancer. So I did some placements with some plastic surgeons and watched some skin cancer removals. And then it just happened to pop up that um, my employer was one of our placements and got to go along and watch some of the mole mapping and some of the quality controls. So assessing some of the lesions after they've left. And I just fell in love with it. So, yeah, the rest is history. And I've been working them for coming up to three years now. Wow. And so for those that are listening that perhaps have never heard of demoscopy, are you able to provide an overview of what it is? Yeah. So um, with demoscopy, we essentially use a tool, much like a, a microscope on your skin. It's called a dermatoscope and it magnifies those lesions by 10 times and it also uses light emitting diodes. So Um, that helps us to see deeper into the skin. Generally, if you're looking at something on the skin with a magnifying glass, for example, light will still reflect off the skin and you won't be able to see past a certain layer. So by using those two um, components together, um, we're able to see deeper into the skin and assess some of the patterns and structures within lesions that might indicate whether something is malignant or benign. Fascinating. So you mentioned that you were at uni. Um, And I assume that you're studying something within skin or within medicine. Can you explain a little bit about what you're doing and um, just so that the listeners have a context of your background? Yeah. So um, I was studying a Bachelor of Dermal Therapy. So at the time I was actually working predominantly with lasers while I was studying. Um, But a Bachelor of Dermal Therapy really just provides you with that background in skin, dermatological conditions, 
um, skin anatomy and physiology, but there's a huge emphasis on lasers as well. We probably um, overall end up doing about 52 weeks just in laser alone. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really a um, foundation for someone that wants to work with lasers um, and with skin. You really need to have that kind of knowledge. Wow. And there's a laser clinic, I mean, on basically every corner <laughs> in um, yeah. especially Melbourne. Um, when it comes to lasers, though, how does lasers interact or laser interact with the skin? Um, so a laser essentially interacts with the skin by um, seeking out a target and heating and destroying that target. So we use wavelengths when we're using lasers or IPL devices. They are separate devices. Um Probably the easiest way to think of it is if you're thinking of like a hot day, you know that you're not going to wear black on a really hot day because the UV will be really well absorbed by the colour black. And it's the same with a laser. A laser wavelength can really seek out a certain chromophore or target. So when we're using lasers, we might be targeting pigment in the skin. We might be targeting blood in the skin. Um, and we calibrate our lasers to um, heat and destroy those, those chromophores effectively. Okay, so um, laser treatments can be used for things like the common, the most common types of treatment, I guess, would be things like laser hair removal or reducing pigment or reducing redness on the skin. Um, now, I can't comment whether laser treatment is best practice, but it certainly also may be used in the treatments of some skin cancer, um, especially when treating precancerous lesions such as acne keratosis, um, SECs, also known as squamous cell carcinomas, um, or even BCCs, also known as basal cell carcinomas. So this can reduce the risk of developing skin cancer further and also reduce the um people having to have more invasive surgery and today we're talking about not treating the skin cancer so are you able to prov provide your viewpoint on this particular topic yeah so um it's not so much that lasers shouldn't be used on the skin they're amazing on the skin but it's about the practitioner and who's using it um, in Australia, there's virtually no regulation as to who can operate a laser. Um, so depending on what state or territory you're in, you might want to check those regulations. Um, but for me, living in Victoria, um, virtually nothing. You don't have to have really any um, recognised qualification whatsoever. Um, but, yeah, we just want to make sure that when, when a therapist is treating over the skin, that they're aware of some of the side effects of going over maybe moles or um, sores on the skin um, a lot of therapists are still treating over these lesions and this can cause some real problems down the track okay so in regards to skin cancers being treated with laser it certainly wouldn't be at your local laser clinic that would be doing that <laughs> yeah um, yeah a lot of these laser clinics that are popping up um, yeah you're going to find um, different levels of experience in different practices, um, but you would definitely be safe maybe with more of a medical clinic. Sure, or, or, some, uh, or a skin cancer clinic yeah. that perhaps specialised in the treatment of skin cancer with yeah. lasers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so to put it into context, which treatments are particularly risky in potentially disguising the clues to skin cancer? So um, any light-based treatment where melanin, so pigment, or oxyhemoglobin, so blood, might be the target for that wavelength. 
So often when someone's having laser hair removal or they're having skin rejuvenation, so they want to remove maybe sun damage, for example, um, it's that they're targeting, the therapist will be targeting melanin or oxyhemoglobin in their skin. Um, the issue with that being that with skin cancers, when we're looking with a dermatoscope at, at your skin lesions, we're looking at these structures made up by melanin and oxyhemoglobin or little vessels. Um, so if those structures have been disrupted in the process of having laser, then we can't really see, we can't always really see um, an accurate representation of what that lesion might be doing. Um, so yeah, that, that's really why it's important that the therapist knows not to treat over certain lesions or to be encouraging you to have a skin check prior to commencing. Mm. So one way that we can recognise skin cancer would be to see these subtle or sometimes more obvious clues in the skin. So essentially you're saying that laser would be removing these clues mm. so we can't yeah. tell if something's um, skin cancerous. Can you go into that a little bit more? Yeah, so um, there, there are common patterns that are within uh, benign lesions, for example, so a lesion that's not cancerous on your skin. So your typical freckles or moles that you've had for a really long time. Um, but every now and then, unfortunately, we'll come across a lesion and maybe those structures won't be in line with what's normal on the skin or normal for that person. Everyone's got a bit of a different look to their moles. Um, so, yeah, if those structures have been disrupted, what the laser can do is basically heat those structures and remove them. So we might be looking at a lesion and part of that structure is missing and that then to us would stand out as being asymmetrical or irregular. Um, sometimes you can actually see it with the naked eye when someone has had say their legs lasered for laser hair removal and a freckle has been gone over and they've actually removed pigment um, and colour from the centre of that lesion. Um, so you really, really want to make sure that your therapist is covering your moles. Wow. So it's interesting, isn't it, because there's more and more treatments I see on social media of these treatments that are actually trying to remove pigmentation because people don't like their freckles. So that wouldn't be something that you'd recommend? It can be done. Um, pigmentation does make up a huge part of ageing. So I can understand why people want to remove their pigmentation. Um, but it needs to be done by someone who um, knows what they're looking at, knows what to kind of rule out. Um, not all skin cancers do look like moles necessarily, and they don't always have to come up as black and blue and raised on the skin. They can start off really quite subtle. Um, sometimes they even look more like a sore. So, yeah, if someone's going ahead and just treating over those areas, it can be really problematic. And quite often the areas that do have a lot of sun damage, like the chest or the face, are very um, high risk for forms of skin cancers called carcinomas, which two in three Australians are expected to develop. So you really don't want um, someone just, you know, as soon as you walk in saying, yes, we can do it right now, you really need to be going and having a skin check prior. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So important. And approximately 30% of melanomas occur from an existing mole. Um, so are you able to share some of the other stats for skin cancer in Australia? Yeah. So, so yeah, that basically leaves 70% um, of lesions being new lesions on the skin. Quite often what we'll hear is um, people coming into their skin checks and pointing out maybe a large raised mole that they've had for a really long time and they're really concerned with it. I think maybe for a while there, there was a bit of um, misleading marketing perhaps um, as to what to look out for on your skin. 
what we want to make sure is that people know that, yes, you might have a mole there that you need to keep an eye on, but also to look out for any new tiny little um, pigmented spots that might pop up on your skin. Um, these can actually pop up anywhere, so it doesn't have to be a sun-exposed area. Melanoma um, is essentially trauma that travels throughout your skin. So every time you do get sunburned, you're actually disrupting all of the cells in your skin. So you do need to keep an eye on all of those areas. Um, but otherwise, um, it is common to be getting new moles probably up until about, till about sorry, 35 or 40. Um, so don't be too alarmed if you're still getting new moles, but do keep an eye on them. It's really important that you're familiar with your skin. Um, but melanoma is actually the most common form of cancer diagnosed in young Australians. So between 15 and 39 years old. Um, yeah, unfortunately, it is the most common form of skin cancer, but you're uh, of cancer, sorry. Um, but your risk does increase with age as well. So it's not that once you've passed that 15 to 39 year old bracket, if you haven't developed melanoma, you're not going to. It, your risk will actually increase from there. Um, but yes, for young people, that's the most common form of cancer they would be diagnosed with. Quite staggering stats. Mm. And also in regards to moles, I've heard people say, oh, well, it's not a mole because it's is it's flat, moles only are raised. Mm. Yeah. Can you comment on that? Yeah, so um, we, we actually have a completely different terminology when we're talking about um, pigmented lesions. We really refer to all of them as nevi or nevus. Um, so to us, they're kind of all the same family but uh, maybe cousins and different um, subtypes um, but no m moles are essentially I think most people associate moles with being yeah large and raised and then they associate smaller ones as being freckles um, to us yeah completely different language but you do still need to keep an eye on things that might just be like a little freckle um, because they too can change and it can be quite devastating if they're not um, you know found in time. Mm, yes, absolutely. And for those that are listening that may have had laser treatments and not sure if their practitioner covered or treated over pigmented lesions or mm. sun damaged skin, what should they do? Um, they, they really need to go and have a skin check um, first and foremost. Um, the, the mole mapping can be really helpful as well. If you are someone that has a lot of moles or you find it difficult to keep track of your own skin, whether that's because you do have a lot of moles or because you've got a lot of sun damage. Um, approaching the clinic can sometimes be a little bit problematic. I mean, I have heard stories in the past of, um, you know, clients approaching the clinic after they've had their arms done, for example, and all of their freckles on their arms have actually um, sloughed off as a result of being over-treated on the arms and being simply met with a response that, oh, well, you received a free pigment removal treatment. Um, so, yeah, sometimes these clinics can be a little bit dismissive of um, patient concerns, but definitely go along and see a skin cancer practitioner, your GP, um, and then, you know, if you're really unhappy with the outcome in your clinic, you can, you know, go to consumer affairs. Mm. So what would be the best practice, I guess, for a laser treatment from from the very beginning, from the very first consult? In the very beginning. Um well, I think that's actually a good point, Marnie, because a lot of these clinics don't actually perform consults. They will take your money over the phone and I just find that quite startling. You know, would you call up and say, I'd like to book and pay for a nose job over the, <clears throat> excuse, excuse me, um, book and pay for a nose job over the phone and I'll come in next week and do it without having met the doctor, without having any medical history. Um, it's really quite staggering that people 
are willing to just sign up to this sort of thing. So that's really the first sign. If they're not getting you in for a consultation, assessing their area, going over your um, health and your medical history, um, yeah, if they're not doing those things, it's sort of um, alarm bells. Otherwise, you definitely want to be making sure that they are certified um, and like a nationally recognised certification, not just trained by a laser company, not just trained on the job. Um, Saying that someone's highly trained is very different to saying someone's actually highly qualified. Um, So, yeah, I would just be looking for these sorts of things. But, yeah, if they're throwing massive sales, I mean, that's, that's a bit of a red flag. I know that people are money conscious and that's fair enough, but you really, really want to make sure you're in the right hands. Mm, so you'd be looking for a clinic that offers a consultation Absolutely. Um, and then would say having a skin check or mole map, would that be best, like, is that required? Um, it's not necessarily required. I mean, if someone um, is having their legs done, for example, and they have absolutely no lesions on their legs, then no, but most people do. <laughs> so that's why it is important that they are going off and and if a therapist isn't trained in dermoscopy then they really don't have the right to say that oh no that's fine and you know we can go ahead and do treatment but um yeah for the for the most part most people do have moles on their skin and regardless of that therapists should really be encouraging their clients to be having skin checks because everyone in Australia is at the very least probably in a moderate risk category if you've grown up in Australia had a few sunburns then you're definitely in a high risk category so you would think that therapists would be encouraging their clients to want to have skin checks at least once a year anyway. Yeah. So if someone was wishing to have laser treatment to either treat pigmentation or mm-hmm. redness or even laser hair removal, um, what would some recommendations be? Definitely if you're going to have um, sun damage treated, you must be having a skin check. There's, there's no way out. Um, sun damage and you know photopigmentation is obviously caused by the sun Um, and if there's some sun damage there that obviously indicates that there's been a lot of sun exposure long term Um, now certain forms of skin cancers like melanoma are generally caused by short intensive bursts of uv so if you've been sunburned or if you've spent time tanning or in solariums um, but for some people they might have just been sunburned a lot as a child and that has disrupted their cells dna long term but in the case of what we call a non-melanoma skin cancer so a, a carcinoma and these are the really really common ones in australia um, they definitely will just pop up on sun-exposed sites, so like your chest, your neck, your face. And these are areas that we find are commonly, um, you know, people commonly want treatment in these areas to remove pigmentation. Um, and yet some of the skin cancers that pop up can be really, really tiny. You you honestly wouldn't, you know, the, the average person doesn't really know what to look for with the carcinoma. Um, and they look more like, yeah, like a little scab or a bit of a um, dry, flaky patch on your skin, but we don't want to be disrupting those either. Mm. And I see also photos, before and after photos, a lot on social media of pigmentation on the face and they have these amazing results where their skin looks really clear or even pigmentation on the backs of their hands. Mm. Um, so would you also say that there the, the could possibly sometimes be skin cancers found in these areas? Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. The, the face and the hands, when I 
specifically have someone come through for a skin check and they're over 50 years old. And, and this is a quite a common age for people to want to have their pigmentation removed. Um, I go straight to the backs of their hands and nine times out of 10, I will find precancerous cells. So um, signs of long-term sun damage, which uh, you definitely want your GP to have a look at before you proceed with any treatment. They can be treated um, with certain types of lasers, but they're not going to be the lasers that you find in these clinics on the corner, as you refer to them, um, they will be found in more of a dermatological setting or in a clinic with yet yeah, more medical practitioners um, on site. Yes, fair enough. Um, and what questions maybe could someone ask their practitioner? So they're thinking about having a treatment. Maybe they've had a mole map. Um, hmm. What happens next? Um, I think one of the first things that you can ask your ask your practitioner is um, what are your recognized qualifications so as I said earlier it's all very well someone saying I'm highly trained um, I've been doing this for five years but do they actually have a formal recognized qualification have they been to university um, if someone's just saying oh, I've, I've been tra- I've been trained that's not really a very accurate um, I wouldn't be very excited by the idea of that. Um, how, yeah, again, how long have you been treating? This can be a bit of a, a funny question because, again, sometimes therapists might kind of want to amp up how much experience they have. Um, but that's where asking what their actual formal qualification can really help you decide. Um, also, just asking how the treatment will work. Uh, it's all very well them giving you an idea in kind of layman's terms, but if they can't actually explain you know, how the treatment will work um, in more of a scientific context, then I'd be sort of asking, you know, do they actually know themselves how this treatment works? Um, and, again, that might be a bit of a, a few alarm bells going off there. Sure. And so if someone has been and had a skin check and their GP or their skin cancer clinic or whoever they've seen have given them the all clear, is it just fine to just go and treat over that area? Completely. No. So um, with anything that looks like a, like a kind of a demarcated freckle or mole, that certainly still needs to be covered. Freckles and moles should still be protected um, if that's not the – let me rephrase this. If you're having laser hair removal and the target for that treatment is to remove your hairs, there is no reason for them to – go over your freckles. Um, They need to cover those. If you, however, are having a pigmentation removal treatment on your chest, for example, then yes, that's where they would factor in how they're going to remove all of these different layers of pigment. Um, But yeah, if you're going in for laser hair removal and they are just kind of lazily covering up with a bit of white pencil, if that, um, then that's really not sufficient. They shouldn't be affecting your moles or your existing pigmented lesions whatsoever. So best practice would be to cover these lesions perhaps. Yeah. And, yeah. and if you don't notice that your therapist is covering them, is it something that you, you could ask them to do so? Yeah. Um, it is something that scarily I have heard um, years ago when I when I did work in one of these clinics um, that, you know, obviously other therapists were not covering their moles and the clients were quite shocked when I went to such extremes to cover their moles. Um, I've even had clients tell me that um, therapists have drawn a bit of white pencil over 
like a, a raised mole that has some hair, has a hair growing out of it, but they've covered the mole, but they've lasered over the mole still to um, destroy the hair. And that is just, to be honest, it's just totally ignorant to think that you can um, effectively target the hair alone without affecting the mole and its, its makeup. If I've always said if someone wants a hair removed from a mole permanently, they need to have the mole surgically removed. Um, but, yeah, if, if someone's noticing that their therapist hasn't been covering their moles, again, I would bring it up. And if they say, oh, no, it's fine, well, I'm here to tell you it's not. <laughs> yeah, so as you were saying earlier, Fiona, about how lasers interact, so really just to reiterate, mm-hmm. if we're treating laser hair removal, we're targeting yeah. the, the black or the darkness in the hair, correct? Yes. yeah. But then as a, re- a result, because moles or freckles and nevis and things are also dark, mm. you can – treat both at the same time without it being intentional is that exactly. right yeah so yeah. yeah when we're when we're targeting when someone's performing laser hair removal for the most part they are targeting melanin within your hair um but that's obviously the same target or chromophore that exists in your moles it exists in your skin um that's why as well it's important that you don't have like an active tan or fake tan on when you're having laser treatments um but, yeah, it, it comes back to that whole UV and black idea. It's not that the UV goes, okay, there's a black car, we'll heat that up, but we won't heat up the black T-shirt that that woman's wearing. It's all black. It's all the same. Um, it's going to target all of those components, yeah. So it's really, um, yeah, again, it's quite ignorant and um, if someone thinks that it's okay to treat over them, then they, they obviously don't have the right education. Yeah. So first and foremost, we're looking right from the very consultation to be speaking about the importance of skin checks and mm-hmm. then having a skin check before you do any of these treatments. And then I guess you can assess whether you want to proceed with treatments, because if someone's very freckly, I can imagine it would be hard to cover all of their freckles mm. on their legs if they're having laser hair removal, yeah, correct? exactly. Or, or very sun damaged as well. But I think it, um, it kind of comes back to that idea of yeah, if you went along to a, a surgeon or a plastic surgeon and you wanted a treatment, um, you're probably going to be a bit uneasy if they're kind of happy to do it on the day, take your money. Yeah, like that would make you a bit uneasy. Um, and this is essentially what happens in these laser clinics is um, it is a business and they just want to have profits um, that they're aware of. And, yeah, if they're, if they're taking your money and doing it straight away without kind of making sure that you'll be safe, um, then I would be looking elsewhere. Mm. And where can people find more about skin cancer clinics? Um, so one of the references that we often refer to is the skincancercollege.org. Um, we often refer patients to this website. Um, a lot of my work is going out to corporate businesses, so um, don't always have somewhere that we can refer to directly or in their area. Um, this site is fantastic. It'll give you a list of GPs that do have an extra qualification in dermoscopy. Um, so again, it's one of those things that not all GPs might feel comfortable entirely looking at skin cancer, um, or looking at skin lesions in general. Um, so you can certainly find someone in your area. Alternatively, you can call your local general practice and ask the receptionist, is there someone, do you have a GP there that specializes in dermoscopy or looking at um, skin cancers um, and they'll be able to help you out. Great and what about if someone was looking to find a laser clinic or a laser practice? 
Um, this is a bit of a sore topic for some, but um, I'll, I'll say it out loud. We would recommend that you are seeing um, a dermal clinician or a dermal therapist, someone that has um, at least a diploma or a bachelor's degree in uh, skin anatomy and physiology and also laser physics. Um, alternatively, many dermatology clinics as well, um, they're always a safe but I understand that it, for a lot of people it's a, it's a cost issue and that's fine, but you really just want to be asking these questions. Um, but you can yeah, find a dermal clinician in your area as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on today's uh, show, Fiona. It was wonderful to have you. Um, and I just want to reiterate um, that even when you're not having laser treatments, it's still important to have your skin checks. Um, and I'm sure you can agree fully with that. Um, so thanks again. I think it's been a really valuable uh, episode. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. Wow, what an interview. Fiona shared with us the importance of having skin checks before laser treatments, especially when you've had sun damaged skin. Um, and also if you've got a lot of moles, freckles or um, pigmented lesions or even redness on your skin. She's given us some also really great tips on how to actually find a practitioner that is going to ensure that your skin stays safe. So the three deeper than skin insights that stood out to me were, number one, laser cannot differentiate between pigment in a hair or a brown spot or lesion on the skin. So you could actually have complete removal of a lesion and this could be the identifying clues to malignancy. Number two, we continue to get new moles in our skin until we're 40. So don't be alarmed if you do start developing or you continue developing some um, new moles or nevi before this. Just be sure to monitor them for further change. And number three, when it comes to the practitioner that you visit, ensure that your practitioner or laser therapist is highly qualified and not just highly trained, which is often just on the job. Um, and also that they have a really thorough understanding of the risks of lasering over lesions and that they recommend that you do have skin checks prior to certain treatments. So great episode. I'd love to hear your feedback. Um, stay tuned also to hear about a new platform that is teaching people about the health of their skin. Bye for now. feeling disempowered or confused about your skin you can now join the derm health co insider community to learn about your skin connect with others in the community and find specialized practitioners to feel empowered on your skin health journey so you can face the world faster whether you are experiencing a long-standing skin condition recent disease injury trauma or niggling skin question there is a place for you at derm health co and the best part is that as a derm health co insider your membership is absolutely free so jump online at dermhealth.co and join today i look forward to seeing you on the inside